Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your hosts, Jamal Tanner and Nick Holman. Welcome to the MTO Podcast. This is episode 78. Me and you got Nick back at it again. Uh, it's the off season, so we don't have a ton of real pertinent things to talk about. So we're just going to cut loose, have a little fun, and talk about the little things that are going on and, and try to and try to make a good show out of that. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, one of the headliner things that did happen uh, was Kyler Murray signed a contract. I believe it was for five years, $230 million. So that is a very rich man. Um, so after all the hoopla and him erasing all of his Cardinals stuff and the Cardinals talking all their cash money. Um, they obviously came to an agreement. Um, my question for you is, is this a good deal for let's start with the Cardinals. Do you think that this is a good deal for them? I do. Uh, anytime you can lock in a quarterback that's young and uh, pretty good, you know, athletic, nice skill set. I think you're always in a good position. You know, they made the playoffs, got off to a nice hot start, but uh, kind of trailed off at the end, which, I seems to me is more of a Cliff Kingsbury problem than a Kyler Murray problem. But, uh, you know, if you look at his record from college and even now with the Cardinals, but even still, you can't win in the NFL without a quarterback. Like, you just can't do it. So, to me, I, I thought it was always kind of funny that the Cardinals were talking so much shit when, you know, you have a QB that's kind of young and pretty good. Why, like, why would you do that? But, you kind of pointed something out to me that every team that talks shit ends up having to pay or paying a lot of money. So that's what the Cardinals ended up doing. And I think it's a deal that's kind of good for both. You know, five years isn't too long. To me, if you're Colin Murray in five years, I feel like you could probably, you know, re-up for another deal unless you fall off the cliff, you know, kind of RG3 style. But that's really was uh, more for injuries than anything than I would say skill set, I think. So, I think, you know, in a five-year span, you can see what's going on with the franchise. You can see from a franchise standpoint what's going on with Kyler Murray. Do you want to re-sign him again? You know, I think five years is a good span, uh, a good amount of time for both, you know, parties to see where they're at at that time. So I like it. I think uh, Lamar Jackson probably likes the contract more because that means he's probably going to get more than that. So I think all around it's it's you know it's good. The only loser is probably the Ravens because now they got to give up more money. But you know they should have thought about that when they were playing their games with Lamar Jackson. So I like the number. I like where he's at because he can kind of get some more money in a few years. So I like it. I think it's good for actually. It's one of those things that's rare. That's I feel like it's actually good for the team and the player. Yeah. So you like it for both teams then? I mean, both sides of this. I, I tend to agree. I think at this point in time, when you got a guy as talented as Kyler Murray, you got to lock him up. Um, that's what they did for Kyler. It's hard to get mad when you're making that kind of money. Um, five years is probably a good a good number um, because they haven't had the success they wanted to. So you can kind of run it back with the squad, and then you'll still be in the prime of your career when the contract's up, so you can make a decision at that point if you think that they're actually able to put together a championship team around you or is it uh, better off going to greener pasture. So I think they got the years right. Um, if I'm Kyler Murray, obviously the money sounds right to me. So I think, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. 
I think this is a good contract for both teams. Um, you mentioned Lamar Jackson, and I'm glad you mentioned Lamar Jackson. After seeing this deal, I know I saw RG3 was on TV, and he was talking about he thinks that R- Lamar Jackson should be the first $50 million man at quarterback. Um, if you're Lamar Jackson, after you've seen this deal, you've seen the Kyle Allen deal. Not Kyle Allen, Josh Allen. Excuse me. That's a, such a downgrade. I, I apologize, Mr. Allen. I got the wrong one, you're definitely way better than Kyle Allen is. Um, you've seen that deal. If you're Lamar Jackson's agent, let's just play like you're his agent. What what number are you looking for? Are you looking for that five zero, or are you going to settle for a little bit less than that? That's funny you said Kyle Allen, because I'm pretty sure that's the reason why Kyler Murray had to transfer. But uh, I don't know. I think you definitely got to start. It starts at the three. Like, we ain't going below 300. So I think you go in that. I think... For me, Lamar feels like a guy who could be a Raven his whole career. So I'm probably looking in the seven to maybe eight year range, maybe honestly six if you could. Maybe 350. I like that. 350, 300 guaranteed, something like that. I feel like that's right for Lamar Jackson. Seven years, 350. So that's that's the $50 million hit right there. So you, you think he should be at that $50 million a year. Basically, that franchise is Lamar Jackson or bust. So, I mean, I feel like they got to pay. That's pretty steep. So, I don't know if the Ravens are going to do it, but I also don't know if they have much choice. So, I think Lamar needs to sign you as his agent because you seem pretty confident in you being able to get that number. Didn't sound like he was worried about it at all. So, uh, I'm sure you got a good agent, Lamar. But if you need one, it sounds like my man Nick can uh, go ahead and get a law degree real quick and get you... Get you tightened up real quick. Take a take a small, maybe a five percent instead of a ten percent, because you know you'll be his first client. So I think he get a little discount for that, especially if he signs you for three fifty. I'll take five percent. That'd be that'd be just fine. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I'm sure we'll be on the podcast covering that as well when that happens. Um, but until then, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Sticking with football, another big thing that happens every year. Um, when Madden's about to come out, as the Madden ratings come out, we've had a lot of hoopla. They've been throwing around their ratings, and people have been disagreeing, myself included. There's been some ratings that I'm just, I just don't see it. But the question I want to ask you, because I don't want to necessarily try to break down each individual rating, these things update as the season goes on anyway, so it's really not that big of a deal at this moment in time. But if you were an NFL player, and you feel like you got a bad rating, but from Madden, how much would this really bother you? And how important would your Madden rating be to you? I don't know, man. Like, what's a bad Madden rating? Like, I feel like dudes get mad if they're a 98 instead of a 99. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're they always mad. So, like, what are we even like? So, basically, I'm guessing above a 70 isn't good or okay Madden rating. So... If you're a starter in the league, you should probably be above a 75 at least. To me, you should be in that 75 to 80 range if you're a starter in the National Football League. So, I mean, if you're not starting, then who, who to me, if you don't start in the NFL, you should not give two shits about your man rating. Like, what, how the fuck do they know how good you are? You know what I mean? Like, if you're the backup, you know, the fifth string, I guess, nickel. So, like, the fifth string cornerback, and you're mad because uh, Madden's got you at a 50, how the fuck are they supposed to know how good you had it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, I don't know. I guess if you're a starter, you probably, you're never going to be satisfied. I feel like those guys are always going to be upset with their Madden rating unless, you know, you're a 99 and you're Tom Brady or something like that. 
but even him, I'm sure he's going to look at something on there and be like, well, why am I not better at that? I, I'm, I know I'm pretty good at that. So uh, you shouldn't look at it. I feel like none of those guys should, but they all do and they all complain. So it's it's never going to matter. No, it's never going to be good enough unless, you know, those guys have hundreds across the board with, on their ranking. So, yeah, man, it, it's funny to me, too. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what these guys they They're just going to pay attention. They can't not help but pay attention. That's actually, I want to touch on that part a little bit um, here in a second. But the first thing is for me, it's not the number rating that I have a problem with. It'd be, I'd be looking to see who better. That'd be my thing. So, okay, you say I'm an 86, whatever. That alone doesn't have any value, but I'm be like, oh, this dude is not better than I am. And then I'd, <laughs> that's what I'd be upset <laughs> is if it's some people ahead of me that I don't feel like are better than me. That would be my problem. Not the number rating. It'd be who is above me, and I got an issue if it's someone that I don't think. Now, you can't just come out and say that because then you starting to cause some beef. If I'm just like, I know Amari Cooper is not better than me, then Amari's going to be like, oh, you talking? why you got to point me out? You know what I mean? Like That becomes a thing. But that would be my thing that I would feel like a slight. Or let's say if I think I'm fast and they ain't have me fast enough, that'd be the one rating that I'm like, nah, you need to get this right. Like, if I'm a burner and you got me slow, that would be offensive to me. That, that'd that be the one, like, not overall rating, but that one skill rating is like, man, I ran a 4.3. You got me at a 91 speed. You better check the resume. Like, that's the one. But I think as far as people getting upset about this, I think a lot of that is just, you know, you watch the – uh, the last dance documentary and we look at Jordan and how he was kind of a master of creating motivation for himself. Like he was talking about the the kid for the wizards that was talking shit. And then he comes out in the last dance and was like, he ain't never say that. I just needed something to get me mad enough to where I could bust his ass next time. Like he was just literally making stuff up to give him some motivation. I think that's what this Madden Ravens ends up coming for these players is it's just something that they can trick themselves into being mad about to, to help, um, fuel their fire and create motivation because when you really think about it, a lot of these athletes have been doing this and training since they were probably nine, 10. So it can, I can imagine get kind of redundant, not, I don't say redundant, but repetitive to the point where you need extra things to fuel you. I know most people are listening to this, like you get paid me. It didn't work that way. That's just not how people work. So Having something, little things like that can help re-energize you and get you motivated again. So I think people just use this as a pretty easy and cheap way to stay motivated, stay locked in, and keep trying to improve at their craft. So I think it is kind of funny that they're all always mad, every one of them. But it's I think it's just a ploy, you know, at this point in the year, you're starting your grind. You're really right about to hit training camp and about to do a bunch of shit that you don't really want to do because if you're an established pro like that, like you've probably been doing this for five, six, seven years and you don't want to do all this. So that gets you, push you over the edge to show you why this work is important and, and you can get locked in for the season. That's kind of the way I, I look at this. All right. So football hasn't started yet, but they always, they're always in the news. So let's go to the sport that actually has started and is going on. Actually the, um, all-star game just finished. Be honest with you. I didn't watch it. Don't even know who won. I just know a couple of pictures that everybody was saying they wanted to see got rocked. 
Unfortunately, it wasn't Kershaw for you because I know you were hoping Kershaw got rocked, but I think he got out of there unscathed. I think he gave up like one hit or something like that. I think he was fine. I didn't watch the ending, so I guess I'll find out who won when I see who has the home field advantage in the World Series. Um, on that note, now that we're about halfway through, what's your World Series prediction? Who you got? Um, my World Series prediction is actually kind of funny because I I meant to look it up before we started, and I did, and I sh- should have. But it's going to be a repeat of last year. It, I I have the Astros going back, and I have the Braves going back. And I know that doesn't really happen you know, often in really any sports anymore, especially not in baseball. But just watching these two teams throughout the year, and especially to this point uh, coming out of the All-Star break, I just – I think they're the two best teams. And from a pitching standpoint and hitting standpoint, I just really like both teams. I like where they're at in the season. I think they're kind of, you know, both starting to hit their stride. Um, you know, but, but the Braves, they didn't have Freeman last or I mean, they didn't have Acuna last year. They have them this year, no Freeman, but they're still, you know, a good team. Uh, coming up behind the Mets, I think they're actually a half game behind the Mets at the moment. I'll have to... Uh, double check on that, but they they caught up to the Mets. They went on a nice little uh, streak themselves, uh, half game, yeah, behind the Mets. So I like the Braves right now coming out the NL and AL. Throwing it out there, I am an Astros fan, not trying to hide it by any means, you know, that this is the team that I like. But even if I was an Astros fan, you just have to look at this team in the roster and the teams they've beaten, and how can you not think that they're the best team in baseball? Like I said, they went 4-0 against the Mets when they played them. They won five games out of a seven-game series with the Yankees, who are the best team in baseball right now. Like, Who else do they have to beat for you to know that they're the best team in baseball, maybe, or definitely in the AL? They have a 12-game lead, 12-game lead in their own division. That has a team that's in the wild card position to be in the playoffs, so that just shows you where they're at right now, and Coming in out of the All-Star break, uh, going up to Seattle, ending that 14-game winning streak, winning two so far, they're just in a good place. So um, those are the two teams I really like going forward, going to the World Series, the Astros out of the AL and the Braves out of the NL. If this were an NCAA bracket, you'd be going all chalk is what it sounds like. You're like, let's just go with the teams that were representing both sides last year. Let's just do that. Um even though it's all chalk, it's hard to say that you're wrong, per se, so I'm not necessarily mad at it. I got your Strohs in the AL, mainly because I can't say the Yankees, and I feel like that's the only other option, really. It's got to be the Strohs or the Yankees, and I'd be damned if I'm going to pick the Yankees, so let's just go with the Strohs, the lesser of the evil. Um, and then in the NL, you know, you mentioned them. I'm going to go with the Mets. I know they can't hit. And I know that should scare me more than it does, but I'm a really big fan of having the one-two punch as a, as a from a pitcher standpoint, having those aces. I always think about that Diamondbacks team, which I think Luis Gonzalez was like their only slugger, but you know they were able to get it done because they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. They pitch two times each in the seven-game series, and theoretically, all you got to do is win their starts, right? So. I look at DeGrom, I look at Scherzer, I like that. So I'm going to go with the Mets. I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win their division. I think the Braves are going to win the division. But I think once playoffs roll around and you can, like I said, in a seven game series, you can roll out DeGrom and Scherzer twice each. I think that makes them very hard to beat. And 
I think they find a way to make it to the World Series. And I'm going to take it a step further. I think they lose to the Astros in the World Series. That's that's my that's my prediction. Bang on the trash cans. Astros win the World Series. That's my that's my thought. Uh, you got throwing some trash can comment. Okay, okay. Hey, don't hey, don't sleep on my man Craig Council was out there slapping out there for the Diamondbacks on that roster. I know he was getting some singles and some doubles on there. Bro, I'm sleep like rim cycle sleep like all the way deep sleep, not moving, <laughs> like refreshed from waking up, sleep all the way. Like ain't no damn <laughs> don't sleep on Craig Council. <laughs> Yeah, I'm asleep, motherfucker. Um, then I was with the trash can thing. I was just, I was more making fun of people that was hating on them. I wasn't trying to hate on the Astros. You know, I think the whole thing is stupid. I, I've said it before. I've said it on this podcast. The whole sign stealing thing to me, as a whole, is kind of a joke. Because every other sport, if you have signs that everybody knows, people will call it out, and no one says you're cheating. They just say, "Hey, you got to switch up your sign game." So I don't understand why baseball is the one sport where it's my responsibility to not look at your signs that you're leaving out there. Like I'll, I'll never get it. So that was no shade on them. That was me laughing at the people that hate on the Strohs for the sign stealing thing. Cause we always do the thing where we are madder about the lesser of evils. Right. So like people are still talking about, the strows and the trash cans and the sign stealing and the integrity of the game and blah, blah, blah. But then we have Trevor Bauer that's just out here getting two years for doing some terrible shit. And we ain't got nothing to say about my mans. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with Pete Rose can't be in the hall of fame, but Ty Cobb's in the hall of fame. And we know who he was as a person. We can go to NFL and we're talking about giving Deshaun Watson six games and, and Kamara six games for sexual assault and assault and battery, but then Calvin Ridley gets a full year for betting on his own team in a game he didn't play. Like we always are getting madder at the wrong thing, and that's just me making fun of people who get mad at the wrong thing. I am now off my soapbox, but I feel like I you brought it up, so I had to say what I had to say. All right. So in watching baseball over the last few days, what we've seen twice. <laughs> is a guy that is paid to catch a fly ball, lose a fly, fly ball, and it go over his head, much to the chagrin of his team and his pitcher. And one's ended up in an inside-the-park home run in the 28-5 to route for the Blue Jays over the Red Sox. I know if my brother's listening, he, he doesn't know why I had to bring that up, but that's what happened. It's not my fault. Tell your Red Sox to, you know, maybe play a little defense. You know what I'm saying? I feel like New England doesn't even give up 28 in the game, so how could the Red Sox give it up 28? But I digress. Um, the question that I'm trying to ask is, do you think losing the ball in the lights should be an error for the outfielder or infielder or whoever the fielder is? Yes. And so it's funny when you kind of brought this question or you were going to tell me you were going to bring this question up beforehand. It should be an error for losing in the lights, but this is probably going to, you're not going to agree with. I don't think it should be an error if you're playing out like in Oakland and they lose it in the sun. That to me is not an error. Like that's hard. There's no clouds. The sun be out there. Like 
even in shades, sometimes dudes be losing. Like that to me is not an error. The lights one, that's eh, a little different situation for me. Like to me, if you lost it in the lights, you weren't paying attention. Like there's, I don't feel like you should lose it in the lights. So I think the lights one is an error. This, the, I give a little bit more leniency to the guys out in like Oakland and like California sometimes. It mainly happens, I feel like only in Oakland Coliseum. I don't know why, but they, hella lose it in the sun all the time out there. So an air for the lights. Cause I feel like you're not paying attention or something. All right. So basically what you're telling me is if it's natural lighting, it's not an error, but if it's artificial lighting, then it's an error. It's kind of what you're telling me is it's, it's, that's the distinction. Well, so the reason why I asked the question is because I was watching these things happen and it's not even necessarily that I want to make it an error for the outfielder as much as it is that I want to n- not count against the pitcher because it's definitely not the pitcher's fault, right? Like, ultimately, he got a pop fly that sh- would be an out 99% of the time, but then the guy just loses it. And then in the scenario of the, the Red Sox game, that's four earned runs for you because the dude lost the ball in the lights. Like, is that fair to the pitcher? So part of the reason why I'm bringing it up and the reason why I think it should be an error is solely so the pitcher isn't being docked for something that has nothing to do with him. Like, I don't think that part's fair. Whether it's understandable or not, you as the fielder are the one that lost it in the light. So you should be the one that has to get the error. I know it'll never change because the way baseball works is if you don't touch it, then it doesn't count as an error. But I think they need to rework that because if I'm that pitcher, I'm looking at him like, bro, like that's, we should be out the inning right now. Instead, I got four runs on me. And anybody who didn't watch this game is going to look at my stats later. They're going to be like, oh, he got rocked that game, which is probably true because, like I said, they gave up 28. But four of those I should have got. Like <laughs> that wasn't on me. Like, you just couldn't see the ball. So that's kind of where was the crux of the issue for me and why I was asking the question is because if there's no error, then that means the pitcher has to be responsible for the runs. And that just doesn't seem fair to me. Like, I'd have a problem as a pitcher. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, it was a pop fly. And then this dude just can't see because he ain't get LASIK. I got to get four runs. Like, that don't seem fair to me. All right, so another thing that's happened um, is Tim Kirchin has been announced that he's going to join the Hall of Fame. He's somebody that everybody seems to love universally. You know, usually with analysts, it's kind of a polarizing thing where some people don't like you, some people do. I've never heard a bad word about Tim Kirchin, so that got wanted me to ask a quick question. I think I know the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is there a more beloved analyst in television i'm not even gonna say sports like even if you know a cnn host or anybody is there a more beloved analyst than tim kirkshin i mean he's probably not as popular but michael collins in golf like i don't think anybody dislikes that dude like he's always happy he loves just golf like he chats it up with anybody he'll chat it up with stuff other than golf like that's probably a close second. Like, he's not as well-known as Tim Kirchin. Kirchin's been on a little longer on ESPN, Baseball Tonight, doing uh, the games from the side, all that stuff. So he's, you know, a little bit more well-known. But my man, Mike Collins is a close second. 
coming up behind him with that. But uh, yeah, Kirch is up there, man. He, you know, he knows his stuff. He's not ever really killing anybody. That kind of always keeps you beloved. We don't really ever kill nobody. And then you know, like I said, knowing you know knowing your stuff, and that man pulls out stats out his ass from like 1940. You'd be like, God damn, Timmy, how you know that? Like, so. I think that's another thing that makes him, you know, beloved, just knowing all this crazy stuff that nobody else knows about baseball. So, uh, yeah, man, he, he's up there. There's definitely ain't many people in the game that's uh, loved by by all. So, yeah, it, it's Timmy and maybe Collins pulling up second. And he, he probably not even that close, but he's another nice one that I don't think anybody really dislikes. That's a good pull because I don't think I would have thought of that one. But let's take it back to sports. And while we're on the topic of analysts, Real simple question. Give me your top five analysts in sports. Like, are we talking about just good or are we talking about like, like, give me a little bit more. Like, what am I doing with these guys? Cause I, I need to know, like, cause I can just give you some dudes, but I need to know what am I, what am I throwing in this gumbo pot to make my list? Let's just say your favorites, right? So good at it, funny, likes. Fair, you know what I mean? On time, like, just good at their job. Like, what's your top five favorites? Okay, so I'm going to go, like, kind of color analyst and, you know, kind of I'm going to go, I'm just going to do anybody who's on TV doing games. My number one is Gus Johnson. Like, that's probably the only commentator I'll turn on a game just for him. Like, I'll really, like, there'll be a game, I don't even need no plan. You tell me Gus is on the call. Let me watch a few minutes to see who go throw a bomb so Gus can go crazy. Like, I love a Gus game, man, because he's going crazy. Like, to me, that's what I love. Like, throw, give me that energy. Like, give me, you know, all of that. I love that. Um, another guy, I'm going to keep it on the football track. I like Tony Romo, man. To- Not just because I'm a Cowboys fan. Tony Romo just loves football. He loves to, like, try to call out these plays. I feel like he loves to poke at Nance all the time, and Nance don't like that shit. <laughs> that shit, you can tell it, but that's funny. Uh, so Romo's another guy. Um, I'm going to go switch over to basketball. I really love Hubie, Hubie Brown. My man, when he calls games, is just he's just funny to me. He just He's another person that just loves the sport he's calling. And I always love when, like, dudes kind of get in, like, a fake scuffle. And he was like, oh, 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 hold on. You don't need none of that. Like, I just love when he gets, when he gets worked up about certain things. He always, always makes me laugh. Um, another one is, it's kind of controversial, I feel like. But I like Mark Jackson, man. Mark Jackson makes me laugh. Like, just the stuff that I feel like he comes up with. He doesn't use the hand down, man down as much anymore. I kind of feel like he should bring that back. Um just st- I love when he tries to rhyme with everybody's name. Oh, it's a pool party. And, you know, just anything he says is uh, funny to me. And, um, man, who's my fan? Who can, who got, you know what? Talib, you know, he coming up there fast, man. He, I like, he, I like what he wears. I like the way he talks when he's on there. He's giving you a different perspective from the corner that we really don't ever see. I'm, I'm trying to think like, I, my man, I, what is his name? Charles Davis or whatever. I don't know what he played, so I don't know. Maybe he was a D back or corner or something like that. But like, I just feel like Tyler gives you just a different perspective of what the defensive players are looking for, and I, you don't get that a lot. I feel like on you know the game broadcast, you you for the most part have a lot of ex offensive players. You know, mainly quarterbacks. Uh, they had a run on tight ends on TV for a while. 
you know, just mainly a lot of offensive guys. So, you know, you know, or they throw some linebackers on, you know, NFL Live or whatever, Teddy Bruschi, but he ain't really giving you no insight. So I just like what Talia's giving, man. So those would be my top five uh, guys in the game right now that uh, that I like to hear when they on the broadcast. Okay, so you pretty much picked, like, the broadcast booth. So not like, so you don't really like any of the dudes that are after the fact breaking down what happened you want the, the live give me the, give me what you feel like right here real rap raw right now i think one of the guys that you i'm surprised you didn't mention for me is van gundy because i think van gundy's hella funny um i like mark but van gundy always be complaining about stuff but it, like i i like the fact that he's just honest like he just says what he feels and it, i usually be agreeable with what he gotta say too so i really like van gundy um for me i don't the reason why I asked the question is because, you know, I was thinking of Kirkshin and I was thinking about, man, everybody likes that guy. But then I started thinking of other guys, let's say like Kirkshin, but in a different sport. I don't really love any of them that I'm thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about, I was like, man, I think he's kind of the only one doing it that I'm like, what up, what Kirkshin got to say? But other than most of them, I just feel like, like, cause like, I really like Jalen Rose, but sometimes he'd be saying stuff that I'm just like, I don't know if I agree, Jalen, like you my guy, but I, I don't know if I agree with you saying right now. But so I like Jalen Rose. I like his positivity. He's never really like, kind of like Kirkshire where he's not really ever killing anybody. looks like he's having a good time. Like he just loves the sport and he's just kind of promoting the athletes. And I'm kind of more about that, but sometimes his opinion to me be off. <laughs> Kendrick Perkins is funny because he's terrible. Like I find him entertaining because of how bad he is at this, and he gives you stuff like the most mood, 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 moves. <laughs> like he gives you stuff like that. So <laughs> I like to cut him off just so I can laugh. Uh, but that's not necessarily him necessarily being good at it. And I mean, I know he's gonna tell me to carry on or whatever. Yeah, I just don't think he's that great. But man, there's really not a ton of like. Kirchens coming up is when I really was thinking about it, and that's kind of the reason why I asked you the question. I like Doris Burke a lot, but she really be doing the games. The one that is an analyst that doesn't generally call the games, he does every now and then, but doesn't generally, that I really like, J.J. Reddick. That's my guy. That's the only one that I could think of that's you know normally doing the analysis after the fact that I really mess with him. He's funny clearly knows the game. He has a lot of good relationships, so he's able to get people on and get people talking. I really like J.J. Reddick from an analyst standpoint, but that's kind of my one that I would say is like on that list. Jalen's probably on that list by default, but I don't, I don't know if, if he really should be on that list from like a good-at-your-job standpoint. I just like Jalen Rose. It's kind of it for me. All right. So I forgot about somebody. I was thinking about it. I got, I got a three B and my three B is Harold Reynolds. Uh, my man is he killing it on MLB network, always with the great analysis, always, you know, I feel like not really afraid to say something that's different from other people. You know what I mean? Like they always be trying to push him off his opinion. He's like, no, nah, that's my opinion. Like that's, I said what I said. Like, and, uh, I feel like he's another guy that's always uh, really good uh, with the analysis. You know, used to be on ESPN back in the day. I don't know what happened to that, but he'd be on an MLB ever since. And my man front and center, he ain't moved. He like, yo, I'm holding it down over here. So uh, Hill Run is another guy that's a good analyst that uh, puts on all the time for sure. He said you don't know what happened to that. Google it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> he got caught slipping. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> He had a little, everybody got a moment. He had a, he had a moment. So, um, 
Another one that I want to mention, like not a name, but uh, when the hockey playoffs were on, every now and then I'd be watching hockey and you know, have the intermissions. I feel like if I watch more hockey, they would be on my top five list because they just be saying whatever. Like that's my. <laughs> they seem like they have a real relaxed show, kind of like oh, I guess while we're on the top on the topic, I really like Kenny. I really like Kenny, so yeah, I got to put him on the list too. Charles is funny, but sometimes I think Charles is way off base. Shaq is on my least favorite list. Like he just he. Shaq wants so badly for everybody to know how great he was. And I'm like, Shaq, I know. Like, we all know. Like, we get it. You don't have to tell everybody. We haven't forgot. We watched you play. You're great. Like, stop <laughs> trying to shove that down everybody's throat. We we know. We willingly take that. Like, you don't have to I love, us. I love anyway. Shaq's analysis of always throw it in the post. Like, that's my favorite Shaq analysis. Throw it in the post. <laughs> My favorite thing with Shaq is anytime there's a post player, he tells us some ungodly number that they should just average. He'd be like, I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, you're looking at Bede. I need like 47 and 18 from him because I don't see any reason why he should. I'm like, 47 and 18? Why you got to be Will Chamberlain in order to be doing well? Like, that's my thing with Shaq is anytime there's a post player, he wants some crazy number for them to be averaging. But I digress. Like, Kenny is another one. I got to shout him out. Ernie, that's not really an analyst. I love Ernie, but he's more of the, you know, the host. But I think JJ Reddick and Kenny are my top two. But if I watch more hockey, I think I would like all of them because they look like they have a good time during intermissions. They was, they was calling people out. They was having, they were talking trash about each other. It looked like they was just boys watching hockey. It wasn't even, didn't even look like a real show. So it looked fun to me, but I didn't know what the hell they were talking about because I don't know enough about hockey. But yeah, no, I don't know any of them soccer people in, in either, but whenever I watch international stuff, they be killing folks. Like they got no shame in killing folks. And I feel like that's an international thing, like because they kind of just tell their mind all the time. So I feel like this is like a, a non US thing. And they're like, yo, you trash, your lineups are trash, your substitutions are trash. Like they just say whatever on their mind so soccer they for sure be killing them people i like the lingo in soccer they be they be finding new ways to insult people in soccer i'm like i ain't never thought about saying it like that that was some slick shit you just said to make fun of this dude so <laughs> i know i didn't create a top five i only got like two deep as far as the top five but we talked enough about this to where we got some we got some content for this so maybe we'll ask people who their favorites is and maybe we'll learn some different people to watch I think what I've learned is I watch too much ESPN and I don't really be liking that many people on ESPN. So maybe I need to dabble on some, some other news anchors so I can find some people I like. All right. So we talked about some basketball analysts. So let's talk a little basketball. Why don't we, um, there's not really much going on, but we do have two players, um, that are in the news that are potentially to get traded and the asking prices are really high, specifically the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell. Allegedly, the Jazz are asking for eight first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell, which is absurd. So I'm going to ask the question for the Jazz and for the Nets with respect to Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant. Do these teams actually want to trade these players, or are they just trying to act like it to save face, to look like they made a valiant effort to give in to these superstars' demands? Yes and no. So the yes is the Jazz. I do think the Jazz want to trade Donovan Mitchell because they want to tank. They're in, you know, they're in tank mode. They're trying to get the number one draft pick this year, which is, you know, I can't say my name's man's, my man's name, so I'm not even going to pronounce it. 
He likes seven four and he really good at basketball. I seen him. He be dunking on everybody. Anyway, that is what the mode that the Jazz are in. And I think what Danny Ainge is doing is he's just you know, he that guy that's just he trying to he trying to get as many as he can. He gonna come down with whatever number. Eight is outlandish. He know he can't get eight, but why not ask for eight if you can ask for eight and come back down to whatever? So I think that's what he's doing at this moment. I think he'll eventually Donovan Mitchell will get traded away. I'm going to surprisingly tell people, I think it's going to be the Heat. I don't think it's going to be the Knicks. I think a lot of people think it's going to be the Knicks, but I think he ends up in a Heat jersey, and I don't know if that makes them that much better, quite honestly, but um, sure, why not? Um, But yeah, I think that's where he ends up going, and I think the Nets honestly don't want to trade KD. I think KD, you know, know, made his request to be traded, and I think the Nets, you know, were going to do their due diligence, but... To me, at this point, what deal are you going to get for KD? Like, you're not going to get a great deal. So, do you just take that and be a medium of the road team? Like, I don't think they can tank out, really, because you still got Ben Simmons on the roster. Whatever you get back for KD is going to be decent enough to where you're probably, you know, can't be that bad of a team. So, I think you just hold on to KD, hold on to Kyrie for this year. Maybe those two guys figure it out, spark something. They get, you know, I you still got Ben Simmons on the roster. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just too much going on for me to think that they're really going to get KD, especially when you have them under contract for, I think it's three or four more years at least. So I think the Nets just hold on to them and figure it out. Yeah, I think I tend to agree. Um, with the Jazz thing, though, to me, this is like if you try to make a trade in 2K and if you try to make two outlandish of a trade, a little thing will pop up and say that that GM don't want to talk to you no more. And you're not even allowed to discuss things anymore. It just shuts you off. And then like, even if you like simulate a week and you try to talk to him, you still ain't allowed to talk to him yet. Like, that's how I feel about that. He called my line, talking about some eight first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, bro, lose my fucking number. Like we ain't doing this. Like, I don't, I'm just not interested anymore. Don't, don't call me in a month. I'm, I don't want to hear from you. Like that's how I would feel about that. Like that's such a ridiculous ask. And, I don't even necessarily blame him. I blame the Timberwolves because I think he was doing that outlandish shit with Rudy Gobert. And they said yes. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I can really do this then, huh? And so now he's asking for some crazy shit because the Timberwolves said yes once upon a time. And so it ain't even Age's fault. But I'm just saying, if I was a competing GM and he asked for some eight first-round picks, I'd be like, bro, like, don't ever call me again. Like, ever. I don't give a fuck. It could be 20 years from now. It'd be some new player. And I'd be like, remember that time when you tried to give me eight first? I ain't talking to you, bro. We ain't doing this. Uh, with the Nets, again, I'm still blaming the Timberwolves because that makes that trade makes Kevin Durant impossible to trade because you're going to be like, well, if Rudy Gobert is worth this much, then I, I, I mean, eight's kind of the number that you would ask for. Rudy Gobert essentially got five because, I mean, they say he got four, but Walker Kessler was just the first-round pick, so ultimately it was five first-round picks. Eight's probably the right number if we're doing a market value type thing, but no one's trading you eight first round picks for anybody. Like no one's doing that. So that makes him kind of damn near impossible to trade, really. Apparently they're not even interested in the Wiggins, Wiseman, and Poole package, which to me is a hell of a package because there's going to be picks with that too. So if you ain't interested in that, then you might as well go ahead and just tell KD to, we ain't trading you and let's just go ahead and get ready for training camp. And then, I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, when we do this stuff, people love to talk about Kobe and how he never 
like change teams, but there was a time when he asked for a trade, right? Didn't get it. And then they end up winning the ship because they got a team around him. And so I'm like, that'd be kind of interesting if this Nets team ended up being like that. Do I see that happening? No, but I think it'd be kind of interesting if he ends up coming back there. Somehow the Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving thing clicks because on paper, it does kind of work. Like it really does work with Kyrie, Ben Simmons, and KD on paper. It's a good fit. Availability is kind of an issue when you're dealing with Ben Simmons and Kyrie. But you know, <laughs> if we could catch lightning in a bottle and get them on the court, I think they actually are onto something there from a from a fit standpoint. So. I don't think the Nets really want to trade them because I think they're looking at the same thing we're looking at. Like, man, if we could just get these guys in the room and get them on the court, we could be pretty dangerous. So I think this is just a quote unquote fake good faith effort to say that we tried to trade you, but you're under contracts and now let's just go play some ball. So I think I agree. I think the Jazz do want to trade um, Mitchell. (laughs) It won't happen until they come way the fuck down. But I do think they want to trade him. But I don't think the Nets really do want to trade KD. I think it's all smoke. I think they're just saying what they have to say to show that the next star, that when you do have a demand, we'll at least consider it and try to give you what you want, even though we ain't actually going to do that shit because you're Kevin Durant and I can't get value for you. All right, so let's go ahead and bring it home. I want you to tee this up because this came from something that you thought of. So I'm going to give you the floor, sir, and then we will answer the question. All right. So we've all seen this before, either online, in person, whatever, whatever. And to me, it becomes even funnier as a dad now with a kid growing up. It's even funnier. But the other day, out and about, taking my kid to play, I see a guy on a basketball court. And I see he's training up some kids. And I just think... Is that a scam? Like, and then, and then I started thinking about like the useless drills you have to do. Like when you start on a basketball team, football team, I'm sure you do it in tennis, hockey, whatever it be. You always got these useless drills. And we just started, I mean, you started talking like, what is the most useless drill that you can do, you know, as you know, on a team or your trainer has you do if you have a trainer, because when I was watching, my man basically had them playing the game that you do in PE class where you dribble, say you dribble in your right hand or your left hand, if you're left-handed, and you got to knock the ball away from somebody else dribbling the ball. Or if you lose the ball while you're dribbling, you lost. Somebody paid somebody for them to go do that. Like, you don't get better at basketball doing that. And it it just got me thinking of all these other drills that we used to do that were just used. Like... To me, the funniest one now is three-man weave. Why, why are we doing three-man weave? Like, I ain't never been on a basketball court and be like, yo, I'm going to throw it to you. We go, like, to me, the three-man weave feels like the Mighty Ducks flying V. Like, that shit don't happen. Like, <laughs> that's what the three-man weave was to me. So that was the drill that was always kind of funny to me. Um, there, I'm, there's definitely some more basketball ones I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, but... Yeah, just seeing that, seeing the crazy training videos that you see on uh, Twitter and stuff all the time, it, they more become parody now because people be using like the little pool uh, noodle things to be hitting people to kind of make fun. You know, you do the little drill, you know, cones and stuff, but you doing it all crazy. So, yeah, man, it's, it's getting out of hand. We got definitely out of hand, but 
What's some drills you thought about back in the day that y'all had to do that you were just now thinking that, like, why were we ever doing this? Like, this didn't make me better. I think Three Man Weave is a funny one because I think it has a purpose up until, like, maybe junior high. After that, it's like you're not learning anything. If if passing and running behind somebody <laughs> and then catching and doing a layup is something that you still need skill drills on, as a 17-year-old junior or senior, like, basketball ain't for you, big dog. So if you want to say it's a warm-up, like, just to get you kind of blood running and just running up and down, and have, okay, that's fine. But, like, as a skill drill, like, it's not useful. It just isn't. Um, but for me, there was this, I don't even know what it's called. I've never seen it outside of me having to do it. Um, basically, you have a line at one baseline. You have a line at the other baseline. When the drill starts, you have the ball. The person on the other end runs to the free throw line. You throw him the ball from the baseline all the way to the other free throw line. And then you run down while the guy while the guy has the ball. He, like, pivots and pump fakes. And then he throws you a bounce pass as you're running. You catch it, do a layup. And then you got to take off running the other way. The guy who gave you the pass inbounds it and throws it all the way across the court for you to do another layup. If it's a conditioning drill, then okay, because you're doing a lot of running in this. But I didn't learn shit. Like, I'm just, I have to just throw a baseball pass, basically, run down, do a regular-ass right-hand layup, and then run the other way and do another regular-ass right-hand layup. Like, why am I doing this? If you, if this is just your way to make it to where I don't have to run 16s or do suicides, but you want to get me in shape, then just say that. Honestly, I'd rather just run the goddamn suicides because at least I know I'm just here for cardio. But this whole drill, I feel like I'm being more trained to be a quarterback than I am to be a basketball player because I'm literally just, it's basically just a full court layup line. That's ultimately all it is. So I always thought that drill was kind of stupid. Another drill, as I'm thinking about it, is, you know, the little tips thing where you have to like <laughs> throw it off the glass and the person behind you had to catch it throw it off the glass like... In high school, like, why are we doing that? Like, what is that for either? I can catch and throw it off the glass. So that's another one that maybe for younger kids, I think there's some coordination and some things that you can learn. But by the time you're in high school or college, I'm like, why? Are, what is what is this for? Like, why is this useful? So those are two that came off the top of my head. Football, I feel like, is riddled with a bunch of drills that I'm like, are basically just to weed you out. I don't feel like you're supposed to learn anything. I feel like they're trying to see if you actually are a football player. I think it's testosterone type of thing. Kind of test your manhood type of shit that, you know, in the era of CTE, we should probably remove. But basketball has some silly ones. I just think it's funny that you brought this up because I've been seeing it too. And I'm like, man, my man's hustling, oh boy, because... I don't think he's learning nothing. And don't get me wrong. There's some good trainers and coaches out there that are helping these kids. And they exist. All I'm saying, and I think I'll speak for you as well, is that not all of these trainers are actually doing anything for your damn kid. They're just out here making a quick buck because they can play basketball on their own. So they're using their little accolades to trick you into... (laughs) basically rebounded for your kid and <laughs> charging you a hundred dollars a session because he's rebounded for your kids and he's providing four cones and a fucking Wilson basketball outdoor basketball. So <laughs> he's charging you a hundred dollars a session. So 
make sure you vet your coaches, your your kids' coach and trainer to see if they're stay around for one. That's all I'm saying is instead of just dropping a little Johnny off and leaving, watch one. See if he's learning anything that you can't do yourself before you give the bag to some dude. You know what I mean? Like just just watch one episode before you buy the whole series. That's all I'm saying. So let that be my cautionary tale for parents out there trying to help their kids get better at, at a sport. But that's the time we have. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, we'll be back at it again next week. We're going to come up with some more creative content because it is kind of a dry season. So we're going to have a little more fun with these episodes and just talk whatever the hell we want to talk about. Forget what's going on in the world of sports. It's going to be what Nick and Jamal want to talk about. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited for that. Um, until then, you guys enjoy your week and we'll holla at y'all. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports, on Instagram at Media Timeout Sports, and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.